Hi, I'm your host, Dave Kemp, and this is Future Ear Radio. Each episode, we're breaking down one new thing, one cool new finding that's happening in the world of hearables, the world of voice technology. How are these worlds starting to intersect? How are these worlds starting to collide? What cool things are going to come from this intersection of technology? Without further ado, let's get on with the show. All right, so we're joined here today by Brielle Nikoloff. Brielle, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on. Um, so I am a lead of product marketing at Whitlingo. We are a Washington, D.C.-based startup, and our goal is to make it possible for anybody, organizations, companies, or individuals to super easily build out um, a presence on the voice web. So whether that is managing a community, um, a, a community's events, or um, you know, if you have a brand that you would like anybody to be able to access through the voice channel, in addition to all the other digital channels like YouTube, Twitter, um, we our goal is to make it so anyone who's technical or sorry, anyone who's non-technical can launch it and manage it really easily. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, you know, for those of you that are uh, have listened to my flash briefing before, um, Future Ear Radio, I use Witlingo, so I use their tools uh, to create my flash briefing. Basically, you take the MP3 file, you drop it into their platform, and then they'll disseminate it for you uh, onto you know Google Assistant, onto Alexa. So it's a really awesome tool, and that's largely why I brought Brielle on today is, you know, I've been um, tuned into Witlingo and what they're doing. And I think that, you know, with any new technology paradigm, um, you know, whether it be when mobile really emerged and then now with, uh, with voice computing, one of the big things initially that is so necessary in order to really jumpstart the whole eco- uh, ecosystem and, and get things going are the tool sets and the platforms for the publishers, you know, making it super easy to create um, all the different experiences. And so Witlingo is uh, really the epitome of, of one of these different tool sets and platforms that help publishers to um, create these things. And, and just like she mentioned, you know, for me, I don't have any um, experience coding, so I don't have a background in that, but even still, um, you know, a non-technical person like myself is able to, uh, you know, kind of use these tools and in in they're very, very straightforward. So, Braille, wanted to start there, you know, because I saw you speak at the Voice Summit in July. You gave an awesome talk about this whole concept, but why don't we talk a little bit about that talk and the gist of it, which was sort of like this idea of democratizing the production side of voice experiences. Sure. So when you think about how we've all been consuming content through the internet and the connected web, you have this interface, right, that anybody can read content on or now look at pictures or or videos. And so when it became possible for anybody to start contributing to the web super easily, that's sort of when its power was fully unlocked. So if you think about these different platforms now that we're accessing voice-first content on, the true power of the voice web 
we at Whitlingo believe will be unlocked once anybody can, you know, super easily contribute that native voice content to it. So, and, and that is, it's different than native web content, right? Because when you're consuming something visually, it's, it's not automatically easily consumable through audio content. So there, there of, of course, are going to be ways that we can take content from the digital web and make it, um, make it consumable through the voice channel. But, but the way that we're sort of approaching it at Wilingo is such that we want content that was originally created and originally fit for that voice frame and and make it so anybody can a create it and then b manage it and then their end users or their audience will be easily able to conversationally surf through it and consume it yeah no i think that makes sense and you know i remember at your talk one of the points that you made was like this progression that we've had with mobile computing where you know you look at the beginning phases of it and you know the content creation side of that that is so prominent and prevalent today you know this meme culture that we live in where you know you go on any of the social platforms and um, you can see that there's just like this level of proficiency amongst the user base of you know using Photoshop or using um, just different apps and tools to create memes or create gifs um, and then you know you also have a lot of the inherent technology that's enabled things like Snapchatting, you know, or Instagram stories because you have the camera that's pre-built in and the apps make it just super, super easy all the way to the point to where, you know, my grandmother who's 83 can use uh, Facebook, right? Like she can go on there. She can post a, she can post a, an update on there. Um, you know, if she's using it through her phone, she could even post a picture. Um, you know, if she's savvy, she could, put up a video, you know, so it's like these, what had previously been barriers of entry from a production standpoint, you know, prior to mobile, um, thinking about, you know, putting up social, social updates, you know, with, uh, images and video, it's just, it wasn't all that conducive because uh, a, the inherent technology wasn't really there because you, you, you know, you're, you're using like a desktop computer, whereas today you're using a mobile computer and you're using a smartphone. Um, but the tools over time have made it so, so easy and the platforms have made it so easy that truly anyone can share this type of information. And I think that's sort of like the beginnings of where we are with voices, like companies like yours are helping to make it as easy as possible for anyone to put their voice experience out there. And uh, I, I just think that's a pretty profound thing because it takes me back to the Alexa conference from two years ago when the first time I heard Brian Romilly speak and he was talking about this like really strong need to bring the creatives in. You know, he kept talking about we need to bring the creatives into this space. You know, you can't just have it be full of um, all of the technical people that are obviously so necessary um, in the beginning to build this thing, but you need to also make it conducive to where the creatives can come in um, so that you have that whole thinking and just contribution, you know, into the space. Exactly. And as you mentioned, all this 
text-based content and visual content that became so incredibly easy to create once everybody had a smartphone in their pocket. It's kind of, it can be likened now to, I mean, a smartphone also has a microphone on it. So, um, so that kind of hardware infrastructure had to also be, be in place for, for this ability now for anybody to create native voice content. And, and now, especially with the rise of hearables, um, we'll also have not only a microphone available anywhere, but also a speaker in your ear available. So, so that is also going to be very, very fascinating to follow as, as voice first goes completely mobile. And um, as you mentioned as well, when the creatives are involved, the intersection of this new technological paradigm with all of these different spaces and industries is really what is going to push the envelope forward, right? I mean, as you know, in the voice community, in the early days of um, Alexa being released, all of these developers that were creating skills and, and actions on Google, we were all kind of um, creating experiences centered around voice, right? Like we were in the voice world also talking about voice. And, um, and that's great to kind of swap ideas and, and, you know, create, build that community. But once people from other sectors started to get involved, like, um, you know, like, you know, Daniel Hill, he, he brought Instagram to his flash briefing theme and, and anybody who, you know, healthcare and all of these different spaces where somebody brought a passion of theirs that had nothing to do with voice and applied it to the voice channel, that's where these really incredible applications started to pop up and, and these really valuable experiences that, you know, had nothing to do with voice because that's, you know, voice is just another way to be consuming information and creating new information. Yeah, totally. I think that's, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's a new way to consume information, right? And I think that this gets lost sometimes where people think that it's an and or equation and that this is going to supplant and just replace um, the old paradigms. And I don't really think that's the case. I think that it just complements them. And, uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned like curables, you know, this idea that you'll have the voice assistant on your person in your ear for longer periods of time, you know, that opens up entirely new contexts that just a stationary smart speaker doesn't. Um, I think multimodal is in the same vein where, you know, adding a screen creates a whole new, uh, it creates a whole new element, you know, for the smart speaker experience. And so I think that like the point being is that, there are so many different types of voice experiences that you can have and you can design. And, you know, as this community becomes larger and larger and more and more diverse, I think we're going to see more creative ways in which people are using voice as a new layer for what they're already doing to help drive a lot of the legacy things that they were already doing. So I guess as we move to with lingo in particular, I'm curious, like, what is 2020 going to look like for you all? And where is the focus for you guys right now? Right. So we have seen a lot of traction with building communities around 
of voice experience. So you can imagine a community like an assisted living home or a retirement community or even like an HOA or a college dorm. Um, again, so a lot of these types of communities already have ways to come together online, like a Facebook group or an app. And when you think about the the possibilities, well, first off, a lot of college kids now are coming to school with smart speakers to have in their dorm. Um, of course, plenty and plenty of households have uh, a speaker in their kitchen or living room. So all of these spaces are really conducive to sort of creating another channel, like you said, not replacing the old ones necessarily, but just another way to access information and swap information through a pure uh, voice first channel. So we've been working with a lot of assisted living communities to, um, to kind of roll out different ways to get information about different events going on in the community. Um, and, and that demographic is a great um, candidate because, you know, they, they may not be as mobile as others. They, when we would kind of go out and do field research with them, we found that sometimes they would, uh, the residents wouldn't hear about the events going on because usually the program manager would print out different flyers and kind of post them around billboards um, or, uh, you know, like cork boards that were downstairs. So they'd have to go down or they would have to sort of rely on maybe word of mouth hearing it from a friend. And so now that a lot of them do have the smart speakers in their apartment, the ability to A, not have to read really small type on a poster and B, not have to, you know, go check out the cork board downstairs. They can just, you know, access that info from their apartment. And then we've seen a, uh, an increase in engagement and in attendance once the residents did have access to the information that they could just hear um, and again, it's really important to think about the end user's experience because when you're scanning information visually, you can, you can kind of um, sort through it really easily and you don't have to look at everything all at once. But when it comes to voice, you, the conversational flow is so crucial in order to get all that across. So. Um, so we're really working hard on making it so you can you can say, oh, what's going on next week or what's going on today and um, and making it so that flow of information as a response is, you know, A, relevant to who is asking and B, um, provided in a way that is super easily consumable. Because again, if you keep, if you go to, you know, lots of book clubs, then we may want to surface that event more um, than the other events you don't usually go to. So that's a matter of relevance and then making it so you're not listening to like 15 options for the evening is also really important. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, it's so interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back right now to that webinar that you and I did with um, a few others uh, not long ago where we talked a lot about flash briefings. And, you know, I think that I, back then I, you know, I, few months ago when we, when we were talking about this, for me, one of the things that I've thought for a long time with flash briefings, but just like in general, is this one-to-many 
format where you're communicating a message and it's accessible by by many and then you add on the the next layer which is like the customability of creating like your own personal rss feed of these voice clippings and i think that's where you're getting into with this idea of like um, community managers, you know, particularly like in a retirement living facility makes so much sense to me because, you know, you think of it as like this person, they get in this habit every day to have them read their own personalized news to them. Like that's where I see like, initially I thought it was just like with flash briefings, but I think it, it, it more applies to just like the nature of smart speakers and this ability to retrieve personalized news on your behalf. So like I'm envisioning for this person, you know, I'm living in this retirement facility and I have um, a flash briefing that consists of 20 different stories that are, you know, relevant specifically to me. So I get 10 that are of the likes of CNN, Fox News, BBC, you know, real high level generic news that's applicable to lots and lots of people. And then you sort of think of it as like an inverted pyramid where you go then down to the next level. And, you know, maybe I'm a big passionate St. Louis sports fan. So I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some information that pertains to the Cardinals and the Blues and maybe the Kansas Jayhawks, my lovely college basketball team. And then it goes down one more layer from there and you have my own personal news. So I'm getting news that is like, here's what's happening in the building today. And I think like that is so interesting to me because it is such a new and effective way to communicate things that are really highly personalized. And so I can imagine where in the not too distant future, you have um, residents, you know, among all these different communities and they're all listening to, call it a flash briefing, call it some type of um, automated news feed that's delivered through your smart speaker that's personalized to you. So they're all getting their own different news feeds, but contained in there is they all, the one commonality is that they all have that particular uh, skill or flash briefing in there so that they're all retrieving that same piece of news so that they have an idea as to what's going on that day. And you can imagine that like you take this and you build that out so that you'd have these for anything. Like I used the example back then about family news, right? It might make sense for me if I had family members living all across the country, a really good way to communicate and stay in touch is like, I look at it as like, you know, rather than sending an email, an email chain, you know, you would have it so that you're sending out a voice email, if you will, so that everybody can kind of get up to date on, you know, here's what's going on in the Kemp's in St. Louis. And then like the Kemp's in Seattle are doing this. And, you know, my mom's side of the family is doing this up in New York. Or, you know, if I had family that was scattered all across the country and we're all tight knit, but we all live in different places. Again, like I could see that being a portion of my own personal flash briefing or RSS feed thing. Um, and I think that's so cool that you guys are really helping to facilitate that because I think that is a really, really compelling use case of like tailored personalized messages that can be delivered on a one-to-many format, regardless of how big that many is, even if it's five people or 50 people or 1,000 people or 100,000 people. It doesn't really matter so long as that it's relevant to that particular person. Right, exactly. And that's kind of what we're you know, through the years as we began as an agency and we've really tried to hone in on the use cases that make the most sense for voice at this point in time from the content creation 
perspective and from the end user's perspective. So, um, so you're exactly right. Our product is becoming more and more versatile, but also kind of honing in on the cases that make the most sense. So, you know, with, with our single Witlingo product, you can create that news feed where you have the greeting and then you have the latest info and, and a closing, or you can also reconfigure it to be sort of a, a discovery sort of experience where the resident may not know, um, may not know what they want to do tomorrow night, but they can say, Alexa, um, ask such and such community, you know, is there anything going on tomorrow night? And then it can kind of be this guided discovery process as well, in addition to a different type of experience that is just pure news. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So as we wrap up here, Brielle, thank you for coming on and thanks for sharing this great update. You know, I think this is such an important aspect to the whole Voice First movement is having very, very solid um, platforms and tool sets uh, for the publishers, you know, serving as sort of a cornerstone of the technology. So why don't you share where we can follow you and Witlingo kind of through the, you know, ways in which you guys are going to continue to push the ball forward here? Sure. You can find us on Twitter uh, at Witlingo. That's W-I-T lingo. And then um, we're, of course, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, if you want to get more information from me directly, you can just email Brielle, B-R-I-E-L-L-E, at witlingo.com. And we'll be happy to chat more with you. Awesome. Thanks, Brielle. And thanks for everybody for tuning in this week. We will uh, chat with you next time. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Future Ear Radio. For more content like this, just head over to futureear.co where you can read all the articles that I've been writing these past few years on the worlds of voice technology and hearables and how the two are beginning to intersect. Thanks for tuning in and I'll chat with you next time.